Alright. Well, welcome to the first episode of the Sideline Synopsis. It's a podcast where we will bring you sports, updates, and opinions you didn't ask for. Uh, we're going to cover primarily basketball and football, but we'll talk on kind of any major sporting news as it happens, as it unfolds, or if we even really care to talk about it. There's, I'm sure there's stuff we're not going to want to talk about. But My name is Thomas, and uh, I kind of live and breathe Michigan sports, so that's where you are, University of Michigan college sports. That's where you'll see my bias is kind of falling. I have my uh, uh, co-host here. My name is Paul. I am an undying fan of IU basketball learning to love their football team <laughs> I'm a fan of the Falcons and anybody in the NBA who drafts an IU player I love that learning to love their football team they've been pretty yeah, good we got it we got to start so we got to start somewhere you know right all right, we Never kinda, ever have they been relevant. We want to kind of roll in here to our first topic here with some college football, national recruiting. Yeah, so to start off here, um, it's kind of Alabama and everybody else as we've seen through the first, well, this year well, as they like rolled everybody. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. But like in the last couple of years, I don't feel like they've won recruiting classes as much. But coming into 2021, the 2022 season – Alabama is the top of the recruiting class with Ohio State University behind them, um, with Georgia, LSU, Clemson, Oregon, Florida, Notre Dame, a surprise University of North Carolina appearance. Yeah, they're, well, they're on the up right now. Yeah, they're ninth. Tenth is Miami, Tennessee, another surprise, Oklahoma, USC, Michigan, and Texas. Most of those... I feel like are always there. Those are like pretty much the blue bloods yeah. of the collegiate football scene. But like, if we want to start and just kind of talk about Mac Brown and what he's doing over at UNC, like, holy moly! Yeah, no, it's. Ex- I mean, it's honestly exciting to see the guy kind of. I mean, what was it? For however many years he had been kind of commentating there and being such like a historic coach at Texas and everything. Anyway, it's kind of cool seeing him back out there. And doing so well so quickly. Yeah, he turned that. He really did turn that team around. Yeah. Like, that is 100% a basketball school. Always has been. And I don't want to, like, just come at the ACC right now. But, like, I definitely feel like that was such a good uh, a good school, just because they're a decent school as far as athletic goes. But also just a really good conference to go in and start to win some football games. Because I feel like if you put any, like, like any coaching staff that just wants to win, I feel like you you could definitely put uh, if you get some recruits, you could definitely put some games together out in the ACC. Yeah, hundred percent. Because the ACC sucks, and I'll be the one that goes at the ACC. <laughs> the ACC is terrible. Yeah, it's literally uh, Clemson and who else? Like the ACC yeah, is so overrated. Around. I hope they do. I hope they get some more some more competition in that division so that we don't have to see Clemson throw up a dud like they did this year. Yeah. Like right. that team was not ready for Ohio State who wasn't even that great this year. Well, hey, and we're kind of sleeping a little bit on Miami as far as uh um you know their recruiting years going. They've uh, Yeah, they uh, are Manny Diaz. So he's been out there for a few years now. Yeah, so. he's not been there very long, has he? 
I don't. I, think, I honestly think it's like two or three years now. I, I don't follow it enough, but yeah, no, it's uh, the ACC definitely could turn um, as far as what we've known them. They've just been run by Clemson. Like it's been Clemson's conference for a while now. So it, it would be pretty cool to see, especially a few of these teams kind of come out of pop up and start doing pretty decent. Yeah, and as we're on the ACC, we can talk about Clemson. What do yeah. you think is going to happen with Clemson with Trevor Lawrence leaving? They have that kid behind him who you saw in the Notre Dame loss. It was a good, it was a good first start for him in a hostile environment. A lot of fans were actually there during like this COVID time. Um, yeah. But like hostile environment. Notre Dame's a solid football team, mm-hmm. and he went out there and balled. But he's definitely not Trevor Lawrence because I don't think very many people are Trevor Lawrence. See, I don't think, yeah, losing Trevor Lawrence will, no matter what, it just will be big. I mean, you just don't get a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence every every poll. You know what I mean? Um, I, I still think they're going to be relevant as far as, like, the national picture goes at the end of the year because a lot of that, in part, due to just the ACC not being, like, a crazy Literally conference. Free. Yeah, they're not that great. And, I mean, what, what are they now? What, what are they looking at? For their recruiting class, uh, they're the fifth this right. year. Which, which on is one hand, it's like, them. yeah, on one hand, it is low for them, but on the other hand, it's like, man, if, if Dabo and the boys out there, if they can, if they can just like, you know, cultivate work with what they have, they probably won't compete with, um, compete for a national title anytime soon. I don't think. Um, but they're gonna be there. They're gonna be top four, if the CFP doesn't change the way they're doing. Like they're gonna be in the last two games of every season probably for a while so yeah no 100 percent. and the acc is probably always going to have especially if notre dame joins they're gonna have the um pull of a like the power five conferences so they're always probably if they go undefeated when they're like when they're yeah, conference yeah. they're definitely going to be into like the cfp always yeah. but also we're looking at it the four teams ahead of them none of them are in their conference so they're only meeting those people and postseason play anyways. That's why it would be really big. Really big if Notre Dame decides to stick around. I don't know yeah. if we have real news on that yet at all or like what they but it sounded like they had signed the kind of like a one year trial um deal with them just because of you know, everything with COVID this last year. But if Notre Dame could stay out there, I think it would really change the landscape, the ACC. Yeah, they really could. On Notre Dame, um big news broke about them not too long ago here. Uh, they had an assistant coach who had impermissible off-campus recruiting contact <laughs> with a recruit in January of 2019. Text and meetings were discussed, um, and what in those texts were about uh, Notre Dame education, defensive schemes, and they also had another incident where Brian Kelly was taking a photo with a student who was a recruit in uh, October of 2019. Because of these actions, the NCAA has decided to uh, discipline them uh they're going to take five thousand dollars from their program they're going to get 14 fewer unofficial visits and seven days off-campus recruiting ban for the entire coaching staff this spring what do you think of this yeah i don't think much of it to be honest i I think we we probably both sit in a similar boat here too like this is more the ncaa kind of flexing uh yeah, maybe it's a warning shot. I mean, we do have recruiting violation rules in for a reason, but he, like, took a picture with the kid, right? Right. He, like, it, I don't know. I don't see it as much of a big big deal, and I also don't really see Notre Dame as sort of like a rule-breaky type of school in the first place. I honestly don't anticipate we'll probably hear much about this in the future. 
I mean, what they slapped him, but I just thought it was hilarious, the $5,000 fine. Oh, yeah, that's a slap <laughs> on the wrist. I mean, it's, if anything, nah. I think it's the NCAA just trying to stick to their rules. Like, yeah. they realize that in those text messages and, like, in those meetings that weren't uh, permitted, that, like, they were talking about what Notre Dame brings as an institution for your education and how it sets you up in life past football and defensive schemes and how that kid would fit and get playing time in their uh in their schemes. And so like it's not it's not like he was like, well if you come here we'll give you fifty thousand dollars, a new SUV and your parents can have a new house in town. <laughs> I mean they might like, have it, it could have, but that's not what they caught. Yeah. Right? That's not what they had. Yeah. And so you look at it and it's it looks to be like something that's just so unimportant. But since the NCAA wants to have these silly rules, yep. that they have to enforce it. And I that's that's where I'm at with it. Yep. I mean the other only other scandal that's been in Notre Dame is that kids were doing the athletes' homework and don't even get me started on that. Yeah, no, no, this is, this is, I would imagine this is nothing. No, Notre yeah. Dame had one of their best years, um, I guess not in a, in a long time, but like in a recent time, I mean, they made it back to the CFP this year. So, right. like, it, no, this is, they're fine. They're going to continue to be fine. Um, and, and just to kind of go double back on our last topic, like, if they stay in the ACC, they're probably going to make it, maybe not make it back, but be very close to making it back to the CFP again. And all that's, all of that's just going to help recruiting. Like, yep. I'd imagine they're just going to trend up. 100% they will. We want to talk. Go, go ahead. Okay. If we want to talk real quick about um, the kind of coaching carousel that we've seen in the uh, off season for college football here, um, we can kind of hit into um, – what I focus on heavily here is, is just Michigan football. And uh, for what it's felt like a few years now, um, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, they've kind of been trending down at a consistent slope. And, I mean, with this season, the kind of two and four short season that ended to um, COVID. Um, you know, you, you can blame a lot of it on um, – just the circumstances of the year and like what they had to go through as far as uh, the, the big 10, especially kind of initially saying, Hey, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be playing games. And then they ended up backing out and then they ended up bringing it back. You know, a lot of, a lot of people in the program probably weren't ready to go, but they ended up firing getting rid of, well, I guess they didn't fire him, but they, they didn't resign Don Brown, um, a defensive coordinator we've had for a handful of years now. And just wondering, I guess I gotta ask you this question. It, do you think the kind of removal of Don Brown as a defensive coordinator here will really be enough to change the uh, landscape for Michigan? No, I don't. But I think it's a step in the right direction. Okay. I mean, we're now at the point that Michigan was awful this year. Like, you guys were an awful football team. And that's hard because, like, that's normally just not a thing. You normally just suck when you play, like, Ohio State in big-time schools, but you beat up on the people you're supposed to beat up on. And, like, that didn't happen. You know, IU had a great year, and they beat you for the first time in my lifetime. Yep. For the first time in, like, in that rivalry in my lifetime, they actually beat you guys. Immediately ages us right there. 
Everybody knows. Right. <laughs> right. But I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, was getting rid of him. Now, we saw that you got rid of him. Now you've hired co-defensive coordinators. Young, young co-defensive coordinators. Right, but I just don't think co-works, but we'll we'll give it a shot. And you retained your offense, not not offense, uh, your defensive line coach, and I think your linebacker, linebacking coach. Yes. I think so those hired, were retained. Uh, I believe he hired a CB guy. Yeah. yeah. And so I would like to say that it was all on Don Brown. And without Don Brown, you guys are just going to be magically better. But, like, unfortunately, I don't think that's it. Um, a big part of it's on Harbaugh. Harbaugh has to be able to manage his team better. If his team's not ready to play, that's on the coaches first because they're that's their goal is to get your players ready to play football. And they just weren't ready to play football this year. And COVID could have been a thing, too. Like, uh, given the circumstances, like, they didn't have the practice time. Michigan, with its regulations, was always, like, really, really strict with that, too. Mm-hmm. And so you weren't ready to play. But, like, at the end of the day, you got to get your team as ready as they can be. And those kids didn't want to play. As we watched through the year, man, like, they, you know, you had Harbaugh going up and down the sides trying to pump those kids up. And they were pumped to get off the field and go home. <laughs> no, like, I can't agree enough with a lot of what you're saying here. Yeah, um... The, the question we kind of wrote down was, was this enough? I don't, I don't know. I kind of, it, I think a lot of your points with the, uh, it's coming from, it, it always will come from Harbaugh at the end of the day. I think that's a good point. Um, I don't know how the co-defensive coordinator thing is going to work. I mean, we got some young guys in, but I think, I think that's just weird to be honest with you. Um, and then, yeah, if we just talk about Don Brown for a moment or as, you know, will getting rid of Don Brown really help. Uh, you could definitely tell the last few years the team trended hard into, like, its scheme, I guess you could say. And we, we followed that to a T. And if it didn't work out, we usually got blown out. And that was that was just tough to watch up and down. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it really will be interesting to see what, uh, what the the new co-defensive coordinators uh, will bring, and I, I don't I don't I haven't really looked into um, scheme or anything or like what they're going to bring as far like how will our defense really look? Are they going to continue to try to keep a a dominant man approach, or are we going to back up a little bit? I'd assume I would assume we'd see a, a big difference in the way they're going to play the game at least. But yeah, no, they could be. I, the problem that it comes to is that when push comes to shove and accountability has to be had, who's it going to? Yeah. Is it the one coach who sucks, or is it the other one that sucks? Yep. Is one not doing his job? What it to me is, it's like a lack of faith in that one coach. And it's really hard for me, if I was a coach, to take that job. Especially, like, if you're in, like... Unless you're just getting removed from, like, the Ravens, was where the one guy was, and I don't know the other, the other gentleman. But it's hard for me to go into somewhere and it's like, oh, you guys are going to be working together. And it's just like a lack of faith because, like, your defense has to look up to look up to something. And I guess it could look up to the core, but you're always going to have kids picking between one or the other. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's it's a mom and dad thing. You have the kids who, like, who love the mom more and are going to gravitate towards mom and then, like, the dad. And then if they clash, who, where, who's it going to? Is Harbaugh going to fill that role? I don't think so. I don't think that's what Harbaugh's approach has been. And – Another thing with just Michigan, 
and me just being an outsider looking in. Yeah, your defense was awful, but man, something's got to happen with your offense. Yeah. The amount of times your offense just goes three and out or doesn't get points or doesn't control the time of possession. Like, I really do think that if you guys are bad next year, Josh Gaddis goes next. And then it's really looking on Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh is looking at a timetable that's very, 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 very small. Yeah. I and agree. if if pro if he's not productive and he's not winning, I don't think he's gonna be there much longer. And you can tell that by how much he less he took in his contract extension. Oh yeah, it's all it's all incentive laden as well, so it's really based on how well is he gonna perform. Right, and so Next, going, next few years are huge. That. Yeah, another big um, coach change that happened uh, in college football this year uh, was uh, Steve Sarkeesian going to the Longhorns. Yes. yes. Um, after having, like, I think historically one of the most prolific offenses ever in college football history at Alabama as their OC to go into Texas. And what do you think that's going to do for them long term? I think that's a good move personally. Uh, yes, without a doubt, a good move. I agree. Um, I, I look at it more as like, a from Texas's perspective and how they've kind of, I guess it kind of parallels Michigan in a weird way, but they've, they've struggled to find the success that they so desperately want. Uh, without a doubt though, good hire. And we'll, we'll just have to wait and see my opinion on what, uh, what he's able to do down there, but it could be good. Texas could be back. <laughs> it would be. I think I think college football benefits if Texas is back. Oh yeah, and it, just to make the it just kind of make the Big Twelve just a little stronger too. I think it'd be a really big. I'm all I'm all yeah. for just I was talking about the ACC. I'm all for these these conferences just getting deeper, just getting better. Kind of tired of the college landscape being so so run by what like two or three schools for like the last decade. Yeah. Like, I guess you could you throw Oklahoma in there as well. Four. Yeah, but. Absolutely, it would be really, it would be really, really cool for uh, college football and just Texas in general, because I know they want to get back to where Mac Brown kind of left them off. Yeah, the dominance, you know. Yeah. And I can really relate to Texas football fans as an IU basketball fan. Like when we hired Archie Miller um, at the beginning, when Tom Crean left, um, I uh, Indiana is a is a basketball state. We have basketball talent. And we were losing to all of this. People were just making Indiana a pipeline. All of the Big Ten schools, everybody was just coming in and snatching all of that great talent and taking it out of Indiana. So IU isn't worth the school in Indiana. I don't want to hear it from Purdue. Don't want to hear it from Notre Dame. <laughs> we know we're not hearing it from Ball State or Butler. Like IU is the is the school in Indiana, and. We expect, to, we expect to get those guys, and that's, I think, what they're going to start ex, um, expecting um, Sark to get. He's got to okay. go get those guys from Texas. Like, he is in the one of the hottest places in the United States of football talent. Yes. They go to football games like they're going to church on Sunday. <laughs> like, they are in the holy grail of football, and so he's got to go there, and he's got to win his state. And I think if you start seeing Sark win his state 
And I'm glad that Sark's in a better place, like mentally, from where he was in the past. Um, With USC, right? So I'm excited. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do because Tom Herman was just not working out for them. He just wasn't the guy. Yeah. Good football coach, just not the guy. You got to get recruits, man. In the college realm of things, you just got to get recruits. And then after you get those recruits, you got to you got to develop them. It's another big thing Michigan struggles with. I don't think they develop their talent. Yes. You know, it's, but moving on. You know, it's oh. funny, real quick, just as an aside. Do you, do you know which uh, which university has the most uh, um, representatives in the this Super Bowl? Michigan. Yeah, it's Michigan. It's Michigan by a decent amount too. I think we have the rest of the field by like four. That's crazy. It's they're probably not recent, to be honest with you. Like, like the ones that come to mind, obviously Tom Brady. I think of Frank Clark. I mean, there's 11, so I can't think of any else off the... Yeah, they might just be bench players. They really could be, but... I mean, Chad Henney. <laughs> bench player. Anything is possible, baby. Anything is possible, baby. Anything. <laughs> and that's a great that's a great segment into the NFL. Um, yes. We are now at the Super Bowl. But before we get into the Super Bowl, our predictions and anything, let's talk about coaches in the um, the NFL. Coaching vacancies have all been filled except for one, and that is the dumpster fire that is the Houston Texans at the current moment. <laughs> um, but to start, we'll start off with the Jags. The Jaguars went out and they hired um, Urban Meyer, who was the, of course, Ohio State coach and the Florida head coach, um, and went 187-32 and 32 in his college coaching days don't, uh, what do you think don't leave utah out of there oh you're right he did but <laughs> what do i think i think that's probably the best uh hire we've probably seen in a little bit as far as like splash hires go it's really exciting especially for uh, an organization that only just what one or two years ago had that whole uh, uh scandal maybe not scandals maybe scandals not the right word but uh they had like a quarter of all the uh grievances recorded from nfl players Right, so the Jags have not been just in a good place as far as an organization goes. I think they've moved GM, head coach. So th- this this head coaching hire, especially with a guy that's literally won everywhere he's gone, is mm-hmm. huge. And so just just to just to go on top of all of this, they have a first overall pick. Yeah, they're taking Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, so it's big. Nothing. In my opinion, it's nothing uh, but exciting news for Jacksonville, as I would just. I personally do expect Urban Meyer, even if he's out of his element, you know, he's been coaching in college this whole time, even if it's really not where he's used to coaching, you know, that the environment changing up, I still think he's going to figure out, and I think they're going to win football games. Maybe not immediately, but they're going to put it together. They really will. No, I agree. I, you, you, you hire a winner. Urban Meyer is a winner, and I think that is something that's so understated. Through through. Yes, it's a different game. Yes, you're now becoming a leader of men instead of Boys. young men. Yeah, young men, yes. Right? Yeah. Like, you're people who are having families, they're providing. Like, it's a whole different It's a whole different thing. You don't get to go into all of the best recruits' house and pitch to their parents why you could develop their son into being a great young man and a, um, a great football player. Um. I think the drafting of Trevor Lawrence is going to help. I think Trevor Lawrence is a great leader. I think that's one of his best qualities. 
I mean, man, he was one of the biggest reasons for college football coming back this year. Yeah. During COVID, yep. he was a big voice of that. I think he leads by example. I think he's a class act, and I think he's going to be easy to follow. Um, I think Urban Meyer is going to expect a level of excellence, and I think that is a great thing for him and that organization is to expect excellence and not be okay with mediocrity because I just don't think that's what Urban Meyer is about. Yeah, no. But I think Urban needs to start surrounding himself with really good football and NFL minds and really making himself a support team on helping him get through the everyday process of the NFL. But I don't think Urban Meyer takes this job if he wasn't ready for it. I think he had a big talk with the owner about Urban Meyer's expectations for the owner and the franchise because he has that much clout and that much weight. Um, next, we can go to the Falcons. Uh, they hired Arthur Smith, the Titans offensive coordinator. Okay. Uh, Smith led the um, Titans to like the top five ranked offenses in both 2019 and 2020. Um, me, as a unfortunate Falcons fan. <laughs> I don't care about the hire. Okay. Um, it's not a flashy one. Um, That's but right on. we have too much. We've, we talk about this all the time. We have too much of offensive power and um, talent to not just be overwhelming people with it. And so with a new head coaching change and a new staff and probably some respect, um, from the uh, team to the coach, I think it, I think it'll be an okay move. I nothing much to say about that. Yes, the Falcons desperately just need a just they need something new. They need a shift. They need a switch up, and to have it be uh, the leader leader of the team here, and hopefully, man, hopefully we can just just turn the narrative or the the the, the feelings about the team on its head because just as you said earlier, there is too much offensive talent to not be good. And it's yeah. not like the, the the Falcons have just been like, like okay, like they've been bad and they've looked horrible in a lot of games. I mean, what, what was it like four chokes, like actual like bad chokes, like yep. legitimate twenty eight and three style chokes this season. Yep. I I still have I I mean I don't have nightmares. So I don't really care about the Falcons, but I think it's that, that onside kick with the Cowboys. Oh my god, like. Yeah. <laughs> We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> it hurts. It really, man. That is, that is a franchise that I hurt so much for because it just, they just kept going. So, no, it, yep. it, yes, there's a lot of people I've seen uh, online talking about that just like blow it up, blow it up, blow it up, and I'm like, I don't know. I think, I think you do have a good core, and I think they that they can be winners. I do. You just need to change. You just need to change the leadership. You need to change the change the people that are that are guiding you. And they they can de- they definitely have some winning football ahead of them. Um, just a real quick, I wanted to double back to Urban Meyer for a moment. That the thing, I mean, I'm a Michigan fan, right? He's obviously an Ohio State former Ohio State head coach. More than anything, I'm just happy to have him off of that Fox pregame show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like dude. Okay, on one hand, don't get me wrong, he was so much. He is one of the best uh, analytical guys I've ever seen. Um, just just do any type of football analysis like he was really good at breaking stuff down um but my goodness I'm, I'm, I'm happy i'm happy we can move on from it 
dude, they just, I mean, they just, they loved Urban on that. But anyway. I bet most of the nation does who aren't Michigan fans. But um, to, I think, the best job that was available uh, uh, this year um, was the Chargers. Um, And they hired Brandon Staley. Uh, Staley was the Rams defensive coordinator um, this year. Uh, He had the number one defense, which was uh, smothered teams this year. Um, And he worked under uh, Vic Fangio, who is now, I believe, the uh, head coach of the Denver Broncos and helped build that Bears defense um, when he was over at the Bears. Okay. I think this is a good hire, to be personally honest. Okay. Um, I think the Chargers have some of the most talent in the NFL. Um, I think they're going to be good defensively. Um, they can get a good um, offensive mind. I think Justin Herbert um, was an absolute gem in the draft. Yes, um, sir. Best, best rookie this year, and I don't think it's close. Um, and so I think it's a, a safe hire, a good hire. Um, and good for that organization going forward, who just seem to be making the right moves. They just need to start winning to get a little bit more of a fan base in L.A. Yeah, it's been tough for them in L.A., especially with the Rams and you know how, how they're kind of treated there. But you're, you're right, having a, a defensive-minded coach really could be a, a good start. Um, and, and, and the defensive-minded coach with a lot of success as far as the defensive side of the ball goes. Um, it would be cool to see what the Chargers can do with – like you said, the a gem of uh, Justin Herbert. So, yeah, absolute stuff. They just need to work on special teams. Yes, <laughs> yes, they do. Um, now to the last three positions, uh, three head coaching jobs that are left. Uh, the three arguably worst jobs that you could get, um, but Houston's still on that list. But um, we'll go with the Eagles next. Um, the Eagles hired. Nick Serrani, uh, he was the QB coach um, for the Colts this year. Uh, he worked under Frank Wright as his like quote-unquote protege. Um, and his connection to the Eagles was he worked with Carson Wentz during that MVP-type year that he had. Um, I don't think this matters. I think the Eagles are also the other team in the NFL that are a dumpster fire right now. I think they have a lot of issues that go from not drafting well to not getting talent and not being bought into the coach's philosophies. Yeah. I th- I think there's just too much power coming from the GM and the ownership coming down for this. And I just don't think it's really going to be Nick's team as like I think a first-time head coach. I don't think much of anything of this. They might compete for the NFCs because that is the worst division historically, I'm pretty sure ever in the National Football League and probably should be fined accordingly tank division, for that. Tank division baby. Um, I mean, I can't say I didn't yeah. have fun watching Tank Division this year because I did. Yeah. <laughs> if Sarani's an interesting hire, he's a guy who's kind of very recently worked his way up the totem pole. I mean, yeah. You, I don't know if you looked at much of his history, but he wasn't. He didn't have any crazy big positions. I mean, he worked in the NFL a ton, but he didn't have any like crazy big positions until the um, working with the Colts as their OC for the last three seasons. Before then, he's just been yeah. quarterbacks, wide receivers guy, really. He hasn't done a ton of but it, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. If, But, yeah, it, as you said, um, probably the Eagles suffer from more front office issues. So he might not even really have a chance. Yeah, kind of no, I don't think Cleveland Brown so. style, so. 
Yeah. I think that's a bad situation to be in. Yes, I agree. Um, the next team is the Jets. The Jets hired Robert Sala. Uh, he was the San Francisco defensive coordinator. Um, he was responsible for that really good defense that put him in the Super Bowl not, uh, actually last year. Um, one of the biggest things that we, like you read about him and you hear about him is that he's just a culture setter and he's an inspirational guy. And I think he is a wonderful hire for the Jets who need a culture setter. They need someone like who can inspire, who's like the complete opposite of Adam Gates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he needs to put together a good team around him. But, I mean, working with Shanahan, just building a name for himself, I think he'll be good. A, a good hire. They need to hit in the draft. They need to see if they can get Deshaun Watson because that would just be huge for him. Whoever his quarterback is, is I think how successful he's going to be. And if that's the case, ship Sam Darnold out real quick. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is what do you think the future of Darnold is? Yeah, Pro- probably uh, look to see that team kind of just full-on restart with yeah. whatever you've seen in the last few years. I mean, what was the, the one of the phrases with Darnold? like seeing ghosts yeah yeah anyway but yeah i I wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised to see them uh so we don't think they're drafting a qb right we've kind of spoken Uh, on that a little bit do they get deshaun watson or not okay okay i think there's a lot of dominoes that are still waiting to happen before this draft happens i think deshaun watson's a really big piece for that so yeah just houston in general like what what who who all are they going to move? It sounds like uh, Watson's a, a, should be a lock to try to move him if they can at all. Um, and then J.J. Watt as well. Looks like he's trying to move, get his way out of yeah. there. Yeah. Has the has – the, we haven't had Houston's head coach fill in, right? Nope. Okay, that's we have still... we have hearing nothing from Houston right now. The only other uh, team who had hired somebody was the Lions. Ah, yes. Um. They hired Dan Campbell. Motor City uh, Dan who, Campbell. Absolutely. Who was the interim head coach for the Dolphins at one point, and he uh, most recently was the Saints tight end coach and the assistant head coach for the Saints. I am in the minority on this. I like this hire. I like if he can get some people around him again. I think he's someone that guys will buy into. I think he's passionate about football. I think he'll be passionate about his team, and I think they're going to be some hard-nosed guys. You're not going to play for this team if you're not going to play hard. Yeah, I think that's going to take a couple years to like kind of set in. But and people were memeing his um, interview, his first uh, official interview as the head coach of the Lions. But I mean, they're going to be taking. Off I think you're fitting there. Detroit. I think they're. I think he fits Detroit. I think he could do well. I absolutely do. As as a, as a Michigan guy, I I unfortunately just have to put the Lions on the back. You know, I want to just just I don't I don't love them, but I hope they do well. Uh, no, I I think I do think this hire has some potential, um, and especially with a uh, brand new GM, the Lions are just looking different all around. Um, you know, they're gonna be moving Stafford out of town. Like the the team's gonna look different all around but this definitely has a potential especially with like the culture change and the guy can can really get people to follow him you could see some success out there yeah this is 
And now we can transition a little bit out of the uh, coaching phase of the NFL. This is going to be like a really interesting free agency class that coming out of the NFL. And like what's happening, Stafford's a moving piece. Wentz might move. Uh, that's going. That's dying down a lot, though. But um, there, Watson, I think, is going to be moved. I don't think Matthew Stafford or Deshaun Watson are going to be in a Lions or a um, Texans jersey this year, this next coming year. Uh, you have got a bunch of wide receivers on the market. I think a lot. You're going to see a couple teams really try to make a splash because it really is Kansas City and everybody else. Yeah. And that kind of leads us to the Super Bowl and our Super Bowl predictions that we have. Hey, and I'll let you take that away. Well, before we kind of before we kind of walk into the Super Bowl to predictions, we're just a few days off of the um, um, championship games, AFC and NFC games. And before we kind, I guess it'll this will segue into our Super Bowl predictions. But I. I kind of wanted to go over these last few games and what we saw from the teams that won um, and what we kind of expect to see um, going into the Super Bowl. But we can kind of start with the Bucks here um, over their win or on their win over uh, uh, the Packers. Um, and what did what did what did we see from them? What do we think uh, uh, could potentially help them get the win over what I would consider the favorites, the the, the Chiefs here, and what what might. Uh, um, bring them down I, I honestly think their offense is just a little too uh inconsistent i don't think they're going to be able to keep up with the scoring of the chiefs yeah no i don't think they will be either i i don't see a way that they beat the chiefs i i think if they played a perfect game of football i don't think they're beating the chiefs okay um it's hard because you don't root against, you don't bet against Tom Brady. No, you don't. No, he just wins no matter where he goes. You put as Pat McAfee said like in his show today. You put Tom Brady in, and greatness follows. Greatness mm-hmm. oozes into every part of your facility, and it's hard to just say not. He just can't. The Chiefs are just unlike any team that I've ever seen in the NFL. Whether they are down by 20, whether they're barely winning, whether their quarterback goes out and Andy Reid pulls the ballsiest move (laughs) with a backup quarterback in a playoff game to win a game. I think they ooze confidence. I think there's too many weapons for them. And even though the um, Bucks have a good defense, they really do. And I think that's the reason why they're such a good team. I just don't think you can stop the Chiefs. No, I don't I don't think so either, especially after you watched what they were up 28 to 10 the Bucks were and they just kept on throwing the ball. Yeah. Like you, you got to a point in that game where it's like, man, you really do just need to run the clock. Like you you need to start game managing a little bit and you saw them I mean, they were. It's their offense. It's what they run. But if you're going to do that against the Chiefs, if you give them any window to let them back in, they're just gonna they're gonna take it and roll you over. If you throw three picks in a in a game against the Chiefs, the Chiefs will beat you by 25. Yeah, that's 21 points right there. Like you, yeah. it, you just you can't you can't play a game like that. You, just, you in a way you kind of have to see an entirely different Bucks team, whereas we've kind of said perfect. Um, yeah, no, I just, I I personally do not see how the Bucks can take take it. I don't, I don't see it. 
I think I think the Chiefs yeah. are going to be too much, man. Just, I agree. You're saying good coaches. Yeah, good coaches, man. You got good coaches on both sides, so I don't think there's a coaching advantage. Um, and so it's going to be a good game. I think the Chiefs are going to repeat. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to repeat easily. It's interesting the first time a home team has ever got to host a Super Bowl, that, so that's going to be a fun narrative I've to come in. About but that that is really cool. The fans are pre-chosen for like the COVID stuff and okay all of that, and so like it's not going to be like a normal Super Bowl. Um, but as we we talked about those teams, we can talk about the other two teams that were left, the Packers and the Bills. I think the only thing we really need to say about the Bills are the Bills are a well-coached football team. They're young. Josh Allen will get better. Um, and they're only on the up and up. They need to learn how to run the ball. Yep. But they're going to continue. Other than that, I think they're going to continue to own their division for the yep, most I part. I mean, I mean, I don't I don't want to count Bill Belichick out, but I don't think I don't I just don't see how the Bills don't just continue to succeed there. I think they're going to have another chance. They just need to like you were saying um get that cultivate the the youth a little bit more get some more experience you know these these games especially these losses are hard they're big and see you next year type of thing yeah and then you have the packers which yeah i don't know what to say about the packers they're a cheap organization who i don't think make great moves um if i'm aaron Rodgers, i'm leaving um, not giving me the talent. I know Jam, uh, Jamal Adams, right? No, that's not Jamal. A... No, uh, Devonte. Devonte. Yeah, Devonte Adams is a stud. Yes. Uh, I don't think they're going to keep Aaron Jones. I think he's going to want too much money. I mean, their defense didn't play well. They got a couple picks, but man, they got shredded. Yep. If I'm Aaron Rodgers in the place that clearly doesn't want me because, you know, they draft a quarterback in a first round. And they don't run it on fourth I'm down looking, when it matters. In the red zone. Right, they take, yeah. Yeah. I'm I, I'm leaving. I don't know where I'm going, but it's going to be interesting to see where they go because they didn't make really any big moves in this offseason. And it showed when they had to play a team who beat the pants off of them in the regular season and then came back and beat them pretty handily again, even though they turned that ball over, I think, four times. Yeah, no, I mean, being a Packers fan has got to kind of hurt at this point, man. You got, they keep building teams that kind of just shred throughout the regular season and then just misfire when it comes down, when it, when it matters most. I mean, the last four NFC championship games they've been a part of, they've taken L's in. The last two years. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's got to hurt, yeah. but. It'll be interesting to see where regular season Rodgers goes. Yeah, if he moves, if he moves, I guess. If he moves, that, yeah. that it was really, it really came down to that that post game press conference, which man, you can tell he's a very passionate, competitive guy. And there's a, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of um, passion that goes into like what he's saying. It really could have been nothing, you know, I, with his statement. You know what I mean? The yeah, it really could have been. It could have just been, you know, it's I don't know what the front office is gonna do. I don't know what they want to do yet. We haven't had the conversation. I just lost a football game. Yeah. I'm pissed. Like, you know. So we'll we'll see. I, I have a feeling he's gonna be in a Packers jersey next season. He could be. 
I just hope for him and his career that he's not because I don't think they're going to do anything for him. Yeah, no, you're you're probably right. I mean, especially if the Bucks reload. Yeah. So, if they keep their guys, get better. Yeah. Do we have much much else here to cover on pro football? No, I think football's good. All right, so we can kind of um, transition into what'll well, be the other half of our podcast for the most part. It'll just kind of come down to what how much there really is to talk about, but. We got college basketball up next. Um, I guess we wanted to kind of go over, in our minds, what would what would you consider to be like the best conference? Like the I, I guess there's a lot that goes into this, but like the deepest. The best conference in basketball is the Big Ten, and I think it's just because of how deep the Big Ten is. How every game that you play in the Big Ten, you're gonna you can get beat if you don't come to play. Not every, not every a like the ACC is a good basketball um, league, but it's just not the same. You have kids that just get beat up on by Duke and UNC. As like your height, your top tier is good. Like you have the highest of highs in the top tier, but when it gets to the bottom, it's just bad, and you don't have that in the Big Ten. Yeah, and the Big Ten is just so good all around. Yes, two five hundred teams uh, in the middle of the Big Ten basketball season are gonna have an absolute slugfest of a match, right? Right in the middle of the season, and that's just gonna yep. be good basketball. It's gonna be there's gonna be one of those two teams, if not both of those two teams, are gonna have a guy that's probably been there for two to three years, that is a, a veteran that's leading his team through every single game and trying to get a dub wherever they can get it. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. The big, the Big Ten, and it's been for a while now. It's really felt like it's just been, it's been really deep. I think the only team that's actually, they're just not winning basically any games. It's the Nebraska right now. I think they are 0-5 in conference play. But, I mean, dude, they could go on a 5-0 and run. Like, <laughs> no, they could. They could like, in, and people talk about it all the time, and it's a big part of it is just the, um, the Big Ten home court advantage. You know, it's not as big right now because of COVID, but I think as of right now, every team has a winning record at home in the Big Ten except for Rutgers. No, Nebraska, my bad. Nebraska is 4-5 and five at home. And I'm not even kidding. But, this, this this just bothers me so much, man. This is this is how the Big Ten just beats up on themselves, too, and you don't even really see highly seeded Big Ten teams at the end of the season. But, yeah, uh, a team of uh, – you'll be uh, – let's say you're a one or two loss um, – Big Ten basketball team, you're you know eleven and two, twelve and two, and you go into like a, a five and five Rutgers or not five and five, but like seven and seven Rutgers, and you lose by like twelve, and you can feel yeah. it. You feel it the whole game, you know, like the home the home court advantage of the Big Ten is actually kind of crazy. I I think it was last year. It was we were really we were following records, and there was a point at which there were like no losses at home in the season. Yeah, it was oh, insane. Oh my goodness, this is ridiculous! Like, ah, oh, road game, cool. That's an L. Uh, yeah, no, I mean the barn. Um, what's what's Wisconsin's? What's this? What's the? I don't know. We haven't won there since '98. No, I know, I know. It's ridiculous. Like, it's you, you think about it, Assembly Hall, like going to these places. It's just like dang, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be rough. And I, it's nothing, man. I cannot wait to have fans back. I know it's. It is what it is with COVID, and we got to be safe right now. But 
the day that that can be back, especially for basketball, that's going to be so exciting. Yeah, just to see Assembly Hall just completely vacant of people is just yeah, it's sad. Sad. It is sad. No man, watching a Chrysler be empty too. They have like the bleachers kind of pushed back up in, so the sidelines can have some social distancing. Yeah, it is. It's it is sad. Um, and I guess yeah. as as long as we're on this uh, the topics here of kind of stadiums, um, I figured we could we could kind of segue into the the NCAA tournament. And we are just to kind of paint you a picture where we're from. We are we both live in Indiana right now. Grew up in Indiana, so to have uh, the NCAA tournament played, like the entire thing, be hosted by the state of Indiana is pretty freaking cool. I don't know how about you feel but I, I am honestly even though we probably won't have if we do have fans i'd assume they're going to be really limited but i'm going to assume there's going to be no fans um it's still really exciting to see all these stadiums across iu or just indiana in general be utilized like this yeah like i agree it's exciting actually like i, I was thinking about man the idea imagine imagine we get to like progress a little bit here we get a little safer and somehow they and they they allow like some limited seating or some crap like that it would be so freaking cool to go and see yeah no it'd be it's awesome it's awesome as like a state of indiana to be like holding something like this like that's super cool like i'm not in the boat that it's like something like i'm super stoked about because i'm still gonna watch it on tv but yeah, yeah. it'll be cool to see it'll be cool to see games played in assembly hall you know, it'll be cool to see like that type of stuff. I want to go. It'd be cool to see a championship game played in Assembly Hall, where personally it should be played, but it'll probably be played in Indy. Um, <laughs> That's fun. sorry, you just got me there. That was funny. It will be played in Indy. A hundred percent, we played the Pacers Stadium. Uh, what is it, Baker's Life? If life, yeah, Baker's Life oh. Fieldhouse, Baker's Life Fieldhouse. Yeah, we're gonna get. But like if. I wanted to just go over the go stadiums real quick. We're going to get games in Lucas Oil, Banker's Life, Hinkle Fieldhouse, Farmer's Coliseum, Mackey Arena. Uh... Ball State represent! Yeah. Wait, what? That's Ball State, right? Which one? Mackey? Ma- no, that's funny. No, that's... that's that, no, that's... Uh, <laughs> we're Werthern. Mackey's... Um... Purdue, bro. Purdue, yeah. No, but none of the They're about the same level to be honest, don't worry about it. <laughs> no. No, none of the none of the games are gonna be played in Ball State. I believe Ball State is a their university that is hosting it. So I believe okay. if I remember correctly, I believe Ball State is hosting the Hinkle Fieldhouse one. Okay. I thought I don't know why Mackie and Werther just got me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Stuff, I was like, bro, we went to school there. Like what what are we <laughs> Been a minute, brother. <laughs> but uh, I... but to be fair, Mackie, were there and they're about the same quality. Purdue sucks. <laughs> they, oh my goodness! They kicked our butts, but they suck. I got another last one. The only one I didn't mention was obviously Assembly Hall. So now it, it's if we're just being honest, so cool. if we're being honest, so... the championship game should be played in the school that has. One of the most storied histories in college basketball. We have five banners oh. in that place. Hey, I'm wrong, by the way, about or we're wrong, by the way, about the championship game. 
Where's it being played? Uh, if you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you guess here. If it wasn't Banker's Life, where do you think they'd play it? Probably still in Indy. Yeah, so it's Lucas Oil, which I think is weird personally, but I guess I get it. Yeah, I don't like. It. I mean, I yeah, because they played at uh, Jerry's World. Yeah, I mean it's kind of uh, cool. They say they're only gonna run one game at a time in there, so I wonder if they're just gonna have one teeny little court right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, bro, I'm just, I'm not about it. Again, most fun fact for the audience. Last team to go undefeated and win a championship. Indiana Hoosiers. <laughs> Just saying. We got five banners in the place. Oh, the fact that it is not being played at Assembly Hall is disrespectful. I'm just not up for the disrespect. Hey, the first four the first four are gonna be played in uh Mackey and Assembly, so there's your there's your like No one cares about Mackey Arena. None. <laughs> No one does it. That doesn't Purdue have a decent amount of basketball history. Yeah, being awful. Like, like I, I thought they had like 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 an actual like. Bro, their best recruit ever is like Caleb Swanigan, who, by the way, is having a pretty good career in the NBA. He's okay, but like, it's been more recently that they've been really like relevant. With uh, uh what's his face? I thought they had Painter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. You'd call it recent. Matt Painter's been coaching since 05, but... No, but yeah, We're but just, just as in, like, the recent years. Purdue was also in a bad place for a long time as well. Yeah. And they have they have slowly um, come out of it. And talking about bad places, we can move on a little bit. Like, for the first time in years, we saw um, Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky um, out of the AP 25 um, poll. And that's just crazy to me. And we're, we talked about COVID a little bit and like, you know, everything being played in Indiana and why like Big Ten's the best conference. You're seeing conferences like this, like the ACC and the SEC, who those top teams really rely on new recruits, big recruits coming in and just being studs. And I think those kids just didn't have the time with the team. And, like, the chemistry with the team, I think, is off. And so I think you're seeing a lot of these young teams, like they almost always are now, like North Carolina, mm-hmm. Kentucky, and Duke. Yep. Um, and Kentucky's been on the downside for a couple of years now. But um, I think you're seeing COVID strike a little bit. And um, these young teams are really, really struggling. Yeah, I mean, it'll be um, tough, man, especially to tell whether or not during these periods of COVID really struck them. We'll have to see as it, as the season goes along. Um, I, I honestly expect them to bounce back a little bit. I don't know if they're really going to stay in this. If they, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it is really holding them down. They're not able to, to coaches aren't able to coach like they should. They're not able to have the interactions with the players that they need. I don't know, but they're just, they're just too talented, especially Duke and UNC. We yep. talked about Kentucky being on the downturn for a little bit. And, yeah, I, I don't think of – I haven't thought of Kentucky as, like, a – I guess you could just say, like, number one or number two seed here in a little bit, I don't think, like as, like, a dominant top team. They've definitely been on the downturn, so maybe this isn't a huge surprise. But it is very surprising it's, to see what Duke's 500 right now. Yeah, I, I don't even know the records right now. I'll pull them up. It's I just been 
Um, they've just been. They just haven't been Duke. You know, North Carolina's had a rough couple of years here as well, after their uh, title run. Did they win that title? Nah, they made it to the title game and I think lost, but then I think won. Has Duke not too long ago. has Duke's season been halted? It could have been. They're five and five. Yeah, no, Duke could have a hundred percent been halted. Um, and just like that, you know. Uh another team was Michigan. Michigan stuff just got halted for uh, what? Fourteen weeks? days, yep. Uh it's been really cool to see what Jawan Howard's been able to do at Michigan with both recruiting and being able to get some good grad transfers in to kind of just fill roles. Um, there's been a ton of success this season so far with Michigan basketball. This little break kind of sucks, and I hope I hope so much for the program that we're all we're all clean, we're all doing well, and they're able to kind of bounce back after this and just get right back into the swing of things. But we'll have to see. Hopefully, he can keep the players warm. Yeah, no. I think one place that hurts you a lot, though, is that I think uh, you get time to get recruited. Not recruited. Um, scouted. I think you get... Uh, right. More teams are going to take some more time to scout you. Look yeah. at us, yeah. Okay. Than you were probably before because, you know, they're not playing the games and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see where you guys come out of it at the end. Especially for, like, um, guys like um, Hunter Dickinson, mm-hmm. who, you know... Probably has some draft potential and some draft stock. And how does that change his trajectory in the draft stocks? Is if you guys don't play for maybe it's 14 more days after that, you know, you're going to see him play 12 games. Is an NBA team going to take a risk on a freshman who played 14 games? Who played, and he was good in a lot of those games. Like really, really good, really solid. But they're going to take the, the chance on that. And. Who really knows? Because, I mean, as of right now, and it's just a weird thing, we can talk a little bit about the NBA draft and, like, the prospects going right now. Um, I'm a big nut into uh, drafting and um, draft stocks, draft potentials, all of that. And it is crazy to me as we're looking, we're a good way into the season um, for the college basketball season. And, man, the draft stocks haven't moved. You see Cunningham, Cade Cunningham, who is still the number one pick, and I don't think it's close right now. You know? And then, like, something that's also interesting is at the beginning of the year, if you remember, we had two guys. Um, another, one was a bigger crew. I don't, his name um, is slipping my mind right now. But um, Jalen Green decided to go to the G League, take, I think, like $250,000, maybe even more, to go play in the G League for this year. And he's still a projected top five pick. And I think if these two G League players get to go in and have success uh, in the NBA and get drafted high, I think that takes a huge dent into college basketball because I think a lot more of your top recruits aren't going to go to the school anymore. I think they're going to go get their money and then go straight into the NBA. Yeah, why not? Like, especially with the... The age being as low as it is in the first place, you only have to go to college for one year. Like, why take um, and spend all that money not making money um, in college when you can go and ball out and get paid for it and then get drafted? Yeah. Like, it completely. Absolutely no reason. It's been a big topic, I think, for a while now. Um, you know, whether or not should 
these uh, these guys really be going to college? Um, I mean, who who was drafted last season? Um, I don't even think he went to college, did he? The, the guy who went to the Hornets. Oh, Lamelo. Yeah, like. Yeah. You, so you know, that's that's a really good point. You know, I think the as it as we go forward, the college basketball landscape, as far as top talent, probably will shift um, away from the college game, and you'll probably see a uh, a bit more of. They'll obviously still be top talent in the in the college game, but it just won't be so lopsided where one guy comes in and carries his team to however far they make it. You know, because that guy's going to be yeah. playing in the G League. Or somewhere else. Yeah. Overseas. So it yeah. Truly. And if we just talk about it from like the NBA side, um, the NBA is, should be thrilled about it. They've been trying to get traction in their G League yeah. for a, a while now. The D League, um, now the G League, because I believe it's sponsored um by Gatorade. Okay. Uh, and so like get views, get some eyes on it, get some kids, it really get people really invested in those G League teams. I think that's going to be really good for basketball in general. I think you'll see more guys like Alex Caruso who come out of the G League and have a big part and start a Game Six of the Finals with the Lakers. Um, I think you're going to see more, more and more and more players come out of the G League, um, get drafted and then go on to be pretty good players. And I think the NBA really has to. Um, be proud of that. I think we can move on a little bit into the NBA, um, which just really beginning. We're kind of in the early stages. You're seeing teams kind of starting to form these newer teams. Uh, really, the only big news that kind of happened was the uh, James Harden trade to the Nets. Thoughts? I want to say it's it's exciting. It's like a big splash. It's crazy. And into the national, if you look at the landscape and the NBA, it is, because um, it really does shift a decent amount of power back into the East, right? Or at least it should. Um, you expect the Nets to be, we put in here, Nets, the team to beat in the East? Yes, I think they should be the team to beat in the East. Because there's a lot, there's just going to be expectations with that team. I don't care, even if they're not even yeah. playing that well, I expect those superstars to perform at the end of it. And early, I think they've lost a few games, haven't they? Um, yeah, they are three. They're ten and eight right now, which is pretty bad. Yeah, but yeah. it's the beginning of the season, and they're three and two with Harden. Yeah, I I expect them to develop. The NBA season is a slog. It is very long. That I mean, there's tons of basketball to be played, and there's tons of time for these guys uh, to put it together, especially in a um, conference that isn't super deep in the East. Yeah, like I expect them to put it together and figure it out. I will say, and we can wrap this up by um, just talking a little bit just um, more of like the NBA in general. Mm-hmm. It's funny to see how the landscape's kind of changing. You watch LeBron go to the West and everybody goes East. Yep. Um, it, was the way, it was the other way around before. Everybody was leaving the East yeah. with him out of go Cleveland. I thought this trade, more than anything, this trade made me laugh, I think, when I saw it. And I'm like, eh, everybody wants out. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to play LeBron. Yeah, I mean... The sh- it's it's crazy. The short man. answer to this question is probably Lakers in four. No, that, I think that'd be a pretty good series. You think? Kevin Durant's a stud, yeah, bro. You're right. You're not wrong. Kevin Durant's a stud, and even though Kyrie Irving seems to be the most wishy-washy basketball player of all time, um, he's a killer. Yeah. 
He comes in and kills it when he needs to. But I think if we really... It is going to be the Lakers. I think the Lakers are the prohibitive favorites. Um, yeah. But for the Lakers, they really got to... They're undefeated on the road right now, which is cool. Um, and they have a good team. But Anthony Davis, I think, needs to pick up his level of play. Um, okay. He's been kind of missing in action the last couple of weeks. And I think he even said he was playing like trash. But he came back out. The last game I think they played was against the Bulls. And he had a good game. I think he went um, 37 um, and like six and three or something. Um, and so I think you're going to have to see him step it up because I don't think anybody can guard him on that Nets team. And I don't think anybody can guard AD in general. But like we said, the NBA is a young season. Um, it's interesting. I'm glad to see him playing in their arenas again. It's nice to see him playing there. Yeah. Um, out of the, out of the bubble. Yeah. He is side note. I so crazy how short this off season was for the NBA. I mean, you, you think feeling. about it. Not really though. I mean, for other than like six teams, right. It's been a pretty normal, right? Fan, other than the Lakers and the heat. Yeah. As a fan who just finished watching the finals that that's, I guess my perspective, but you're right. That's a good point. A lot of these, I mean, it was, I don't necessarily know if it was a long off season, but it was something like that. Yeah, because some of them did just stop playing because they did not everybody went to the bubble. So for a well, lot of teams, like yeah, the Warriors haven't played. Yeah, 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 yeah. been a long time. Yeah, exactly. So just a, I guess a, a weird, weird way to have this season end with the bubble being so late that it, I mean it had to happen, but it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Just weird. But in the time of COVID, athletics are weird, but. I'm glad that we can still have them and still keep pushing on as a society and keep moving oh forward. Oh my goodness, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be very a very happy camper if we didn't even get our uh, the athletics that we've been given. I'm very grateful. I mean, yeah. shout out to the NFL, like didn't miss a game, rescheduled a, a lot of them, well, not a lot, a few of them, but they didn't miss a game. They didn't have to cancel anything, which I think is pretty sick. All right. Uh, we have anything else here? No, I think we're good. I think we can call it here. Call it the first episode of the. Uh, yeah, that's the first one. The sideline sports synopsis. synopsis. Oh yeah, man! I already screwed you it up. You called it the sports Keep synopsis. In. Keep that oh. in. Actually, edit that out. Yeah, well, I'll probably edit that out. That was, that was pretty sad. It's a good name. When you're listening. It's a good name. Get a good laugh when you're editing it. <laughs> Any, uh, I guess we don't really have anything to plug right now. No. Deuces. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> Deuces. Now we'll see you in the next one, guys. Later.